Welcome to the Compelling Words Podcast. The Word of God is meant to move us. It's meant to call us to action. Listen in as Kevin Purdy teaches and presents a genuine and compelling message from the Word of God. What is peace? What does it mean to have peace? Every one of us probably has a little bit of a different idea on what peace is, what that means. Peace might be a cabin in the woods, fishing off a pier. Peace might be sitting under a beach umbrella, reading a good book. Peace might mean having all of the bills paid and no debt. Peace might mean happiness and good times with good friends. You see, we tend to think of peace in a variety of different ways. There's a lot of ways that we can picture peace. But what about God? What did God mean when he spoke about peace? Because actually, God has promised us peace. Remember, we've been talking all summer about how God is a promise keeper. Hebrews 10.23 has been a verse that we've looked at every Sunday. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. God can be trusted because he is a promise keeper, and God has promised us peace. Let's read in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 9. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Is there any question, is there really any question at all, that our world needs peace? I mean, a global pandemic, civil unrest, racial tensions, protests, riots, a national election... This upcoming school year for our students, for our kids, is beginning with chaos. If you know a teacher, or even not knowing a teacher, I'm going to ask you, please take some time to be praying for our teachers, be praying for our schools, because what they are beginning is so chaotic, and it's so unknown, and, and the circumstances are just bizarre. We're desperate for peace. But it's not just our world. It's not just our country. It's not just our communities. Our families need peace. There's a lot of pressure upon the family. And especially right now, families are going through some very rough, uncharted waters. Even in normal circumstances, peace can be hard to find. And now in this mess, it's even more difficult. Every single one of us have this deep, heartfelt need for peace. 
We're desperate for peace. And that's what God offers us. A promise of peace. But what does God mean when he says that? What does God mean when he promises us peace? Does having peace mean that we'll have no more troubles? Does having peace mean that everything will be just right? Does having peace mean that there's no more conflict, no more disagreement, no more worries, no more fears? Two boys, a six-year-old and an eight-year-old, walked a few blocks from home down to the local florist. Dad had given them some money to buy their mom a bouquet of flowers because she hadn't been feeling well. When they came home, they presented their mom with the flowers. They said, Mom, we know these flowers were perfect for you because it's just what you always ask for. And across the flowers, there was a ribbon that said, Rest in Peace. Well, I hate to tell you this, but you probably already know. If peace means no trouble, no conflict, then the only time we will have peace is when we rest in peace in eternity with Jesus. Because in this world, we will have conflict. In this world, we will have trouble. But even so, we can still have peace. Even in the midst of that trouble, even in the midst of that chaos, even in the midst of that struggle, we can have peace because we know who is in control. John 16, says, I've told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Peace doesn't mean that the trials and the sorrows are gone. Peace means that in the trials and in the sorrows, we remember that Jesus has overcome. Peace doesn't mean that there's no conflict or no fear. Peace means the presence of Christ is greater than that. The presence of Christ is more. The presence of Christ is greater than the fears, greater than the struggles, greater than the turmoil. It has been said, peace is not the absence of something. It is the presence of someone, the God of peace. Troubles will come, but peace is knowing that right in the middle of those troubles, Jesus is with you. You remember the Old Testament story about the three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those three young Jewish men had been exiled, and they were living in captivity. And the king decreed that when this music was played, everyone must stop and bow and give honor and worship to a statue that he had built in his image. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were convicted that they could not do this. For them, this would be a betrayal of their allegiance to the Lord. They couldn't stand and bow and worship this statue when the music was played because their allegiance, their devotion was to the Lord. But there was a problem. The law was that anyone who refused this, anyone who refused to do this, would be executed by being thrown into a furnace of fire. Imagine their struggle. Imagine their anticipation. What are we going to do? What are we going to do when that music starts? What are we going to do? Where, where will we be? What will we do? Will we be seen? What's going to happen? And then the, the moment comes and the music is played. All around, people begin to bow. But they 
They stand. The king learned of this and he is furious. He heats the furnace seven times hotter than normal. It's so hot, in fact, that it kills the guards that, throws the, that threw them into the furnace. But then, after some time, the king noticed something. In Daniel chapter 3, verse 24 through 27, we read this. But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and excitement to his advisors. Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them, not a hair on their head was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. In the furnace, the king saw that someone... Someone was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The king didn't know who it was. But we do. And we also know that the Bible tells us that he is with us too. Jesus said, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. The next time that you're feeling that chaos start to build up around you, remember that Jesus is standing right in the middle of it with you. In the Philippian letter, Paul said, Rejoice, the Lord is at hand. We can have peace and we can rejoice knowing that Jesus is with us because of who Jesus is. He's more than just a comfort. He's more than just an encouragement. He is God. He is Lord and He is Savior. Colossians 1, verse 19 and 20 says, The Son, that being Jesus, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body of the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And then hear this, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Peace comes from Jesus because Jesus took our greatest conflict and he made it right. He fixed it. He reconciled us with God. Reconciliation has been defined as fixing a broken relationship. The Encarta Dictionary says that to reconcile is to end conflict. You see, we often forget about this. Or we don't think about it, maybe as often as we should. But our sin puts us in conflict with God. Our sin puts us in a broken relationship with God. Our sin is like a wedge between us and God. God is holy and perfect and we are not. God is fair. And fair means that we will be punished for our sins. We must pay a price for what has been done wrong. But God is also overflowing with love. 
And because he loves us, he doesn't want to see us punished. He doesn't want to see us condemned for all of eternity. So what can be done to reconcile, to fix, to solve this conflict? What can be done to solve this conflict between God's justice and God's love? That's where Jesus fits. That's the whole purpose of his sacrificial death. We are reconciled by his blood. We are reconciled through his death, burial, and resurrection. That conflict is settled and peace is made. You see, when God promised us peace, it was so much more than we even realized. Because when God promised us peace, more than anything else, he meant that we could be at peace with God. That's what he meant more than anything else. We can have the greatest peace that overflows to all areas of our life because we can know that we are at peace with God. The relationship could be restored. And through Jesus, we could be right with God. And because we can have peace with God, we can have peace in our hearts and in our minds and in our day-to-day lives. We can have peace with the people that we live and work with. We can have peace because we know that we are at peace with God. In fact, the Bible describes peace as one of the fruit of the Spirit. Peace is something that is produced in us when we are in Christ. Galatians 5, and 23 says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Peace is actually a byproduct of the Christian life. If we're living in Christ, if we are living in Christ, then our lives should reflect that peace. One day, a man was having a really rough day and things kept going from bad to worse. He got stuck in traffic. The light changed twice before he got up to the intersection. He started pitching a fit, swearing out loud, throwing his hands up in the air, yelling at the other cars. All of a sudden, he heard a police siren yelp right behind him. Saw the lights come on and a few cars back. The car behind him slowly pulled over. Then he did. The policeman pulled over. The officer came to his door with his hand upon his pistol on his side. He yelled with authority, get out of that car right now. Turn around. Put your hands on your head. The man immediately got nervous. The officer took his license and registration. The man began to shake and when the officer came back, he apologized. He said, I'm sorry, sir, but I, I was a couple cars behind you. I saw you acting all irate and upset. And then I saw that Christian fish symbol on the back of your car. And I just assumed the car had been stolen. Now, now I know, I know that a bad day will come here and there. And there will be times when our emotions get the better of us. But when we keep things in perspective, it doesn't seem right to get all bent out of shape and worked up about so many little things. Why do we need to fear? God is with us. Why do we need to worry? God is with us. Maybe that's why in Philippians 4, right after Paul says to rejoice that the Lord is at hand, right after Paul says rejoice, the Lord is at hand, He also says this in Philippians 4, 6. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests 
be known to God. That's how Paul sees it. That's how he sees it. He sees it with such a simple, faith-filled perspective. God is with us, so don't be anxious about anything. God is with us, so pray about the things that are on your heart and mind. God's with us. Give everything over to God in prayer. Let go and let God. Let go of our worries, our fears, our anxiety, and let God take care of us. Let him carry our burdens. Trust him. I guess I've heard several years ago a professor at one of the leading American universities studied the things that people worry about. And at that time, he discovered that 40% of those things never happen. 30% concern things in the past. 12% are needless worries about health that don't actually come to be. 10% are about petty issues. And 8% are actually legitimate concerns. If that's true... That means that 92% of the things that we worry about don't really have any merit. That means that we lack peace. Because our minds are fixed on things that aren't real. Or things that can't be changed. Or things that are really extremely insignificant. In Psalm 55 verse 22 we're told to cast all your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. How can we cast our cares to the Lord if we never let them go? You ever remember teaching a, a, a young boy or a young girl how to fish and you're teaching them how to cast? You got to hold the button in and you got to throw out the reel and you got to let go. You got to let go. If you don't let go, the line doesn't go out. You cannot cast if you're still holding on. We can't cast all our cares to the Lord if we don't let them go. Paul says, pray about everything. And when we turn it all over to God, he says, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Peace is possible because through Jesus we have peace with God. Peace is possible because God invites us to cast our cares to him. But all too often we disrupt the peace because we get focused on negative things. A farmer got so frustrated and discouraged with his farm that he decided to put it up for sale. He said, that's it, I'm done, I'm putting it up for sale. He contacted a realtor and set up a meeting. She came out, looked over the farm, told him she'd be in touch. A few weeks went by and she called him up. And before she listed the farm, she wanted him to read the ad. See if this meets your approval, she said. She read the ad and it described a well-maintained home Sturdy barns, a wonderful view with lots of charm, good spacious rooms and attractive features. The ad went on and on highlighting the home and the farm. When she finished, the farmer paused and kind of scratched his beard a little bit. And then he said, you know what? Cancel the ad. That's the farm that I want. I'm going to keep it. How we look at something, how we look at things can make all the difference in the world. Ed Wheeler and Wilcox said this. He said, one ship sails east and another west with the same winds that blow. Tis the set of the sail and not the gale which determines the way they go. That's how it goes. When you focus, what you focus on usually determines the direction you'll go. What you focus on will usually determine the direction that you go. 
In this Philippian letter, Paul says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about those things. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice those things, and the God of peace will be with you. If we want peace... Our thoughts should be centered on the things that are good. Our minds should be filled up with things that are true, honorable, pure, commendable, and worthy of praise. We can't have peace when we're feasting upon sin. We can't have peace when we're feasting upon negative things. If you, if you want to struggle with peace, get online and read social media and read all the comments and posts That'll disrupt your peace. You see, we can't have peace if we're focused completely on everything that's negative. I know years ago, uh, someone I knew, uh, a gentleman I knew, he had to give up talk radio because he was listening all the time and all the criticisms on, on talk radio just was wearing him down. We cannot have peace if we're filling up on everything that's negative. I love the news channels and the, and the online programs that highlight positive things. They make a point to show some good stories and things that are going well. So we need to hear that. We need to fill up on things that are true, honorable, pure, commendable, and worthy of praise. Just think of it like this. The opposite of peace is conflict. So if we're devoted, faithful believers who have God's Spirit living in our lives and we fill up on sinful, negative things, it puts us in conflict. James 3.11 says it like this, Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? When we ignore God's will and when we disobey Him, it causes all sorts of conflict within us. That's why true peace comes only True peace comes only when we line up our obedience with our allegiance. We cannot pledge our allegiance to God, promise to follow Him, but then continue to live a life that's contrary to how He tells us to live. It doesn't work. We can't say, yes, I'm yours, Lord, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, and then live outside of what His will and His way is. It's a conflict. We can't live like that. We can't live like that and then expect peace. It doesn't work like that. If we want peace, we need to be consistent. We need to live consistent with our claim that Jesus is Lord. Bruce Larson tells a story about how he helped people who were struggling with their lives. He worked in New York City and would often talk with people in his downtown office and as he talked with them about the conflicts in their life, he would often ask them to go for a walk. He would take them to the RCA, for, to the RCA building on 5th Avenue. In the entrance of that building is a giant statue of a man with all his muscles struggling, bent over, holding the world upon his shoulders. Bruce would point out to that statue and he'd say, now that's, that's one way to live. Then he would take them across the street to St. Patrick's Cathedral. And there behind the altar is a little image of Jesus as a boy with no effort holding the world in one hand. We have a choice. We can try to shoulder the world 
We can try to do it all on our own effort. Or we can let God be God and let him take the burdens. We can give him our world and we can let him be our Lord. If you need some peace in your life, that's where you'll find it. You'll find it with the Prince of Peace. He made peace possible by paying the punishment for our sins. And he invites us to let it go and to cast our cares upon him. He calls us to stay focused on his will, the good and the positive things of God. And he promises, a, promises us a peace that defies all understanding. A peace that will guard our hearts and guard our minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Please pray with me. God, I ask that you just fill us up with your peace. May we know that peace. May we live under that peace. May we have that peace in our lives. God, we know we can have that peace because you have made peace between us and God. You have solved the conflict that is caused by our sin. And God, because we are right with you, because we are in a relationship with you, no longer broken, but restored and reconciled, that peace can overflow in all areas of our lives. And God, when we follow you, when we live in, in line with what you call us to, that peace will just flow through each and every part of our life. So God, I pray that we live within your will, following you as Lord and Savior. And God, we thank you for the promise of peace. We are desperate for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Please take a moment to rate this podcast. And if you'd like to leave a comment, please send an email to c.wordspodcast at gmail.com. May the word of God be living and active in your life. <laughs>